Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Biology Report. Joining me as always, Bradley Badboy. Hodge, Hodge, how you been since the last podcast, mate? Good, Flem. I uh, can't say it's been super exciting. It's been a bit Groundhog Day-ish, there's no <laughs> doubt. Um, Bill Murray would know exactly what I've been experiencing for the last six to eight weeks. Uh, pretty boring breakfasts, meandering on to dinners and really settling on a, on the couch for Netflix. That's probably about it, Flem. I can't Can say you give us something been... on Netflix? Uh, what, what's new? Uh, been well, two weeks. As, well, as I mentioned before, a lot of my love is towards the um, Danish, Finlandish, uh, Scandinavian uh, crime thrillers. Yeah. It the takes bridge. me. I don't know what they're called. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that they're deep and dark and it annoys the hell out of my wife while she's watching it. So she goes and I get to watch it peacefully and quiet. It's magnificent. And- what I like, um, our Finland, we were number one in Finland for cricket podcasts. Uh, with the well, that's probably why. They, they know that they must have hacked into my Netflix account to know that I have a passion and love for the pr- productions that they produce over there, Flem. So maybe they're repaying the debt, which we love our Finlandish uh, viewers. We good need swing bowlers. coming up. Good yep. swing bowlers. I heard, they're good, I heard they're pretty good spin bowls. Um, I mean... Not sure. I mean, imagine they get a bit of ice on the on the surface and the synthetics over there at some stage. So they're like warning. I mean, if you can turn, you know it's it going to hurt them. You know, it's going to hurt them not. in Scandinavia. No sweat on the ball. They're saying no saliva and no sweat. You, you don't sweat over there. You cook. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe they might have to employ one of our spin whisperers, our doctor that we may have on the show today, maybe even fly over there as a little uh, contra deal and help them out to get past this really testing time with CV-19. Don't worry about our guests who we're going to get to. Just get Murph Hughes over there. He- he'd sweat. He'd sweat in igloos. Yeah, but no one would play because he stinks as well, I reckon, Flem as well. So you've got a bit of an issue. They're quite a clean environment over there. They're big on renewable energy, all sorts of things. I'm not sure the big fella oh. be welcome over there. I mean, you used to room with him. What yeah. about those farts he used to do every nah. evening after five pizzas, ten beers and a couple of Cokes? And in the Horrendous. morning, I've, I've spoken, spoken to some doctors and, and you can't do it, but mentally... He'd actually built them up that much. He, he had it regulated half an hour before we left for the ground every day. Big, loud, and you could smell it in China. i tell you where we're going number one this week in Cricket Podcast, Canada. And we want to say good day to our uh, host of loyal listeners over there, um, John and Brad and Chuck. I think that's a Chuck. Because uh, this man was an overnight sensation after scoring the, the fastest World Cup ever at that stage in 2003. But we know, Hodgie, we're an ex-teammate of this man, that uh, it took a long time to be an overnight sensation in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia. He's now the, the spin whisperer helping out the gut, Nathan Lyon. It's, of course, Johnny D, John Davison. D, great. Thanks for joining us on the Bowlology Report. What an introduction. Thanks, boys. Um, good to see you. It's been a while. I have a chat to you, Hodgie, offline on, on some LinkedIn stuff because my job's been slashed a little, quite a bit. Like um, all the pathways, under-17s tournament gone. Um, I think they're going to keep running 19s tournament, um, but with limited um, someone in the background there. Uh, 
<laughs> so, um, uh, with limited preparation, um, so they just don't have the budget there. Um, so, you know, Adam Holyoke and myself, who were doing the pathways um, job for Queensland Cricket, were now consulting, I suppose, coming just a couple of sessions a week. Um, so, yeah, we're you know, looking, for, looking for other things to do to fill our time. Um, but the, in terms of training with the Bulls there, um, a lot of one-on-one training at the moment, um, and we're lucky enough to be outdoors up here, so it's, um, it's manageable. And just your thoughts on that, mate. I mean, the pathways, I mean, I, I really struggle to see how monetary value and that's cut out of that pathway program because, I mean, even cast away back to 25 years, we all started yeah. through juniors, under-17s, under-19s. I just can't stipulate that the value on that is, is unheralded to cut funding from that and cut that program. It must be devastating for you that's seeing the growth of these young kids through the pathways and represent not only their states but the countries. 100%. I, I think we're you know, um, shooting ourselves in the foot a bit because, like, the, the, the men's game drives the revenue in cricket. Um, and if we're not developing the next generation, then, you know, we make all our – Cricket Australia makes all their money when um, we're highly ranked in the world and people want to watch us play. If we – I think if we um, don't invest in the youth, we're going to, um, you know, we're not going to have good, as good of players coming through. We're not going to accelerate the, their development um, as needs be. Um, and I think, like, particularly in a, in a highly skilled sport, which cricket is, I think it's probably one of the toughest games to master in the world. Um, you know, you play in different conditions and different, um, different opposition and, um, I, you know, I think that we really need to be we, we need to be developing their skills when they're young. We can't be working working and making them better when they're older. Oh, it's too late. Hey, Dave, you got a feel from the, the vibe from the players? You know, with all the, the the depletion of coaching around them. Yeah, look, I think though, like it's 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 tough, and in, in the fact that um, you know, it just comes down to money and uh, you know. I don't know the finance side of things well enough to to comment on it, but it it um it it's sort of I don't, I don't understand why why we're um, all of a sudden losing so so many people out of the game and um yeah it's uh, it's a it's a tough situation for a lot not just coaches but a lot of people involved in cricket. It's a bizarre one, Johnny, because I mean I think I'm pretty sure in the strategic plan of Cricket Australia and. Uh, their their game their aim is to be the number one sport in Australia, um, viewed and participated. Now, if you take away from grassroots cricket, I'm just not sure how you're meant to achieve that. I mean, this is in the strategic plan of Cricket Australia. It's a real tough one to nut out, but yeah, I just I'm just sort of staggered that all of a sudden there is that loss of people who have been involved in making this great game so good as what it is today. And I'm not sure how it's going to be replaced. To be honest, I. I'm sure you're in the front line of it, um, but certainly here in Victoria, many people who have got the game well and truly uh, in the right areas, in the country areas, developing young kids. You know, my girl Sophie has a whack there, and uh, you know, the cricket on the weekend, T20 Blast. You know, the effect is going to be huge, and yeah. you know, you've seen it pretty closely. It just must be hard to take, and, and, and no one's sure of what the future is going to look like. That's exactly right. And well, I think, well, you know, I've started to think creatively in terms of, you know, trying to fill gaps and whatnot in the coaching, in the coaching, um, in the coaching world. Um, other sports pay, you know, they people pay to uh, be involved in high performance programs and go to, you know, private academies and things like that. So, um, you know, the, the what people have, um, taken for granted, I suppose, in terms of um, associations providing programs for them to be involved in, then, you know, maybe some someone's going to have to step up and, and develop pathways, programs that people pay for uh, to be involved in. And I, there's definitely an appetite. People want their kids to to be good cricketers and, and kids want to be good cricketers. So for that to happen, then they may be having to go to their own wallets. 
Well, it's, it's going to pressure the volunteers even more, who I'd imagine are pretty stressed. And, I mean, we're all involved locally at cricket clubs. So that's not going to help. The only, one of the only one positives I've seen in Victorian cricket is um, to get rid of the zonal um, pathway and the Dowling Shield is back. And, and I've been big on this for the last five years because um, it's going to help. As long as the club – they've got to give the club resources, though, to help them out. But for their development, to actually get them into the system, in the, I hope it's under 17 level, you know, play low seniors of that thing. It could be actually a really positive, but it's going to put more strain on the clubs if they're not going to be back financially. Well, that's right. I know. Look, I, I suppose if um, you know youth state associations aren't going to be paying for a high performance program, then that money go would I suppose go back that high performance money would go back to the clubs. How it's then used by the clubs, you know. Um, you know, do the clubs have the right resources? I know in Queensland, you know, club the the clubs up here the, in terms of facilities, they, not many clubs have turf wickets to train on. Um, so I I think that's going to be a real backward step in terms of you know kids, particularly fast bowlers, you know, running and bowling on on hard surfaces rather than um, you know running in at Allen Border Oval and the great facilities there. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a stretch for the clubs, I agree. But, you know, we do, if we're optimistic, we hope it's, it's short term. You know, if if the summer, if India come out, that the, the bash is played, yes, we're going to, the revenue is going to be affected by the lack of crowds. But by this time next year, we're, we're hoping um, we're running into an Ashes series, crowds are back in. So... Um, What's the plan in actually um, resource or getting the resources back in? That that that's going to be the key, isn't yeah, it? Like I'll be hoping be, that three quarters of the people um, or those roles will be back in place. Well, that's I think that's the the businesses that are going to thrive and do best um, through this period. I think are the ones that are going to have one good leaders, uh, create creative thinkers, and. Um, being able to keep the people on board that you want to be working with and know that um, are going to make a difference to your company in the future down the track. So if you lose if you lose good people now and they go off and do other things, then it's going to be hard to get them back. And cricket hasn't had a good history on that, though, Johnny. D, about getting <laughs> those decisions right, actually. You know, it's been more inclined to line the pockets of someone who likes to fill on the young stake at the first day of the test and actually looking after the good people that... Uh, put the time and effort in. But we'll see. Time, only time will tell. Yeah, that's All right. right. We'll, we'll, not, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, good chat, boys. Okay, we're going to move on to, um, well, a bit more positive flavour to it. Dee, I reckon the listeners um, will want to hear how um, a guy that played state cricket or started New South Wales District Cricket, state cricket Victoria, South Australia, um, ends up dominating for Canada in a World Cup. Yeah. Um, how far do you want to go back, Flem? Um, <laughs> oh, as a... I don't know, okay, your grandfather's well, grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. I, look, I, was, I qualified for Canada by um, being born there. I was born on Vancouver Island um, on the west coast of Canada and only lived there for a couple of months before my Australian parents decided to move back to Australia. So mum and dad were there for five or so years. My older sister was born there as well. Um, not sure the reasoning for coming back when I was born, but I won't go there. Um, and so 18 years later, um, I heard that Neil Maxwell, um, who Hodgie played with at the Melbourne yep. Cricket Club. Yep. Um, so when I was 18, I reckon Maxie would have been a couple of years older than me, I think, two or three. And I heard that he was playing for Fiji. And I thought, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I wonder if Canada's got a team. <laughs> and so, um, um, so, so this is in 1988. Um, and I penned a letter, didn't write an email. I penned a letter to the Canadian Cricket Association, um, you know, just explaining that I was a young first grade cricketer <laughs> in Sydney 
um, and wondering if you had a cricket team and if so, do you, where do you play and all this sort of stuff. Um, never got a reply. Um, and then in... Oh, they were on email by that stage, Johnny B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't... Re- I, well, maybe they were. Maybe I just didn't have a computer. Um, <laughs> so in... So what year would it be? We were in Vic. So in the 90s, um, we were prior... So I was playing for Victoria, so it would have been mid to late 90s. Um, I got an email via the Victorian Cricket Association um, asking me if I'd ever considered playing for Canada. Um, <laughs> so I replied to them and then we just went from there. I went over and played um, some qualifying tournament, World Cup qualifying tournaments in, that would have been 2001. Um, oh, no, I, went, I think I went a couple of years before that. But then 2001, we played a qualifying tournament in Toronto, which we qualified third, which was the last position to, to get in. So the top Who are the other teams in there, teams. Johnny? So we played Scotland in the three versus four game. To, um, so the winner of that went through. Okay. Um, and then would have been Holland. Um, and Good team, Ireland. Holland. Holland and Ireland, Any, I would have thought. Good team, Holland. Anyone that gets runs against Holland, you're in good touch. Very good, yeah, very good form in World yeah. Cups. That, <laughs> I, I think runs again, it should be list A, a bit like Dizzy's 201 against Bangladesh. So bad yeah, luck. They're a test team. They were a Fair test enough. team. They weren't list A. Hodge loses his 100. Um, so, you know, when you hit the tournament 2003, do you remember... Um, did you did you have team goals or was it just a bonus to beat <laughs> it? Um, oh, team goals. That's a that's a tough one. Like so, we lost our Jeff Thomas, who was an Aussie Queensland Australian. Um, he he coached us through the two thousand and one qualifiers, um, and then about six weeks before the tournament, um, the West Indies offered Gus Logie free of charge. So Canadian cricket sacked Jeff oh. Thomas and brought in oh. Gus Logie, which was horrible because Tomo had done a lot of work, you know, and spent a lot of time in Canada and um, the boys really enjoyed working with him. Um, but couldn't go past the West Indian um, West Indian of the dominant 80s teams um, to come in and coach for free. Um, was he any good, so Gus? Oh, no. Nah, no. <laughs> No, he's probably not. Go. He's probably not listening. But you know, he's yeah. Um, we have got a strong so, listening uh, audience in that neck of the woods, but we do. Okay. stronger in Europe and also yeah, Russia. Right. And Finland, Gus, Eastern yeah. Bloc. Finland. Finland. <laughs> yep. All right. I think Matthew Jenkinson. Do you remember Matthew Jenkinson from uh, Vic, Victoria? Played for Fitzroy. I think he's yeah. coaching Finland. He's coaching Finland. So he'll oh, be well, listening. Yeah. In. I reckon I played against him. Um, he played for Caulfield. Played final against him. Really yeah, good bowler. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, you get a few. Yeah, and of course Gus um, Lange played for yes. South Melbourne, the Bloods. Uh, yes, you played with him. No, nah, well, I didn't play a game the whole year for some reason, but um, he got a lot of runs. But so you get there, and and what, what's the expectations? Oh, so um, the expectations. Look, I think. My, my, the way I spoke to the boys was uh, we, we didn't want to embarrass ourselves. Like you wanted to, um, you know, you probably, probably couldn't compete in, ter- in terms of skill and whatnot, but it was like you can compete with passion and you compete with, you know, fitness and things like that, which we weren't fit enough, but anyway, the majority <laughs> weren't. Um, but we, we had a, we had a oh. meeting before, the, before it started because I, I put my hand up and said, look, I want to open the batting. And, like leading into it, I'd batted probably seven or eight or something like that, and didn't set the ball on fire. Got a you know a couple of you know quick thirties here and there and things like that. And I said, look, I want to open the batting. Let's let's have a crack up up top and um, have a crack early. See if we can get away. And um, we had it. It went to a vote because Gus didn't really know me or, or whatever. <laughs> so I went to a vote in the team, and I think I I scraped in. By one vote, I voted for myself. So I think that got me <laughs> over the line to open the batting. So it wasn't um, a strategy coming into the tournament. You've got there and just thought you just just yeah. Well, I think no. I think I've done, done it. 
Yeah, I'd done it a couple of times. But it wasn't know, locked very, in. Very success. No, it wasn't locked in. Um, and <laughs> so it came to a vote and, like, the majority were like, oh, no, it's too, it's too risky and all this. Sort of that. I was like, oh, come on, just give us a go. Yeah. Um, anyway, got it over the line. Um, and, then, but, and then I had, you know, I had sort of doubts. I said, like, shit, what have I done here? You know, I'm going to be facing some some good bowlers and, you know, if, if – if anyone, if anyone can swing it at pace, I'm not going to get bad on it. And I figured there was going to be a few of those sort of guys going around. Um, but it was it was an interesting experience in terms of now I was a top order batsman. I got treated like a top order batsman, so we were training like a first class team. You'd go to you'd go to these great facilities through South Africa, and you'd have net bowlers and things like that, and you could bat for as long as you liked, rather than being, you know, in state cricket, you know fringe sort of player or just in the team batting down the order and you get a couple of throwdowns from the yeah. assistant coach at the end of a session. Um, so I was probably when he went into it, um, you know, very well prepared. Um, and then in terms of the self-belief part, um, I ran into, we've, we, we did our um, warm-up games in Joburg. So we were at the Sand Sun in Joburg. And I think that was, I was, Hodgy, were you in the at that World Cup, two thousand three? No, no, no. Um, I'm trying to think where they were. The the, the Aussies that was, were. That was Ian Harvey. Uh, Bickle, uh, yeah, yeah. Bickle had a sensational uh, two thousand three uh, World did. Cup, I yeah. think. Been, and where and Simon's Simo really yes, announced himself. Yes, Simo yeah. did really well. Yeah, but yeah, they um, may have been at the Scent and Sun for sure, Johnny. I reckon you might be right. Yeah, so that, I think that the Aussies were like an hour out of Joburg. There's a um, sort of a Pretoria, a bit of a, uh, no, not Pretoria. It's uh, I can't remember. Anyway, um, they they must have had a day off because I was walking back from the pool and uh, Warney was sitting in the in the sort of um, outdoor um, our fresco bar part of the the hotel. And he's like, Dave, I want to work. Oh fuck! There's Warnie, and um, I went over and what are you doing here? And he goes, "Oh, we got the day off. Came into, you know, came into the big smoke." And um, he goes, "I just wrote an article in the Herald Sun," and I was like, "Oh yeah." And he goes, "It's the it was all about the um, top six players to look out for in the World Cup." And he goes, "And and I wrote you as one of them." I was like, "Fucking what?" Oh, yeah. Like I, yeah. So that sort of gave me pumped me up and gave me a heap of confidence. Um, and I thought that's pretty cool. And anyway, gave me a bit of self belief, I suppose. I don't think he was talking about my batting, but um, <laughs> it's a, but it gave me a bit of self belief anyway. So, and what was um, Warney rocking at that stage? Was he just about to uh, leather some coconut oil on, sunbake, and just get the vibes out there? No, he was he was like pretty well dressed and um, just you know cool vibe at the bar, mate. I think yeah. scoping oh, the bar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that was what he got. He got sent home from that tournament, didn't he? So it must have just been just previous to that. So, yeah. And um, and, and what about first game? You win. Yeah, first that was Bangladesh. Awesome. So what were the yeah that was celebrations? That was and awesome. what about when you felt that we're going to win this game, Bangladesh? Oh, well, we didn't. I think we got one eighty at Durban. It was like pretty quick, bouncy wicket. Um. I didn't get many. I got eight by Taza pretty early. Um, then Bill Cliff from New, Ze- New Zealand, Canadian. He was like me, born over there to um, parents who were school teachers. I think he got 70-odd and got us up to 180, um, which probably didn't think was enough. And then um, big Austin Austin Codrington, the Jamaican plumber, um, <laughs> just, just kissed just kissed the wicket beautifully and took edges and we, <laughs> the blokes catch, plucking them in the slips. Don't know how they were catching them. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, I think we got them out for 140 and, like, won it pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was, that was a oh, – so Austin Codrington took the last wicket. Um, I caught it at mid-wicket. It was off the, off the splice running backwards. Reasonable catch, nothing special, and I chucked the ball, and it went out of the stadium. I, I threw the, his. He got five fun with his with his ball, and I threw it out of the stadium and never got it back. So he wasn't he wasn't too happy with me, um, but yeah, that was 
that was the highlight as a team for the for the um, tournament. Um, yeah, the boys loved that. It was good fun. And um, so good performance against Kenya. Next game, then a shocker. Sri Lanka, all out for 36. Um, yeah. So, so you're hoping that wasn't the trend, but there, there, there was a turnaround leading into that West Indies game. Yeah, so I remember I remember the um, the Sri Lanka game. Like Gus Logie before the game got everyone, got everyone together and said, all right, everyone hold hands and we're going to pray. And I was like, what the fuck? We haven't done this before. <laughs> um, um, so I was like, why, why are we changing, you know, everything we've done for years and now we're going to, like, stand yeah. up and sing right. Kumbaya together. Um, so that was weird. And it obviously didn't work because we got no over 36. Uh, and then, yeah, next game, I actually had a bit of a run-in before um, before the next game against West Indies because I'd, I'd sacrificed playing the last couple of Shield rounds for South Australia. GC, Greg Chappell had been nice enough to, we had a we had a um, bit of an agreement that if we didn't look like making the Shield final, then I could play in the World Cup. That was, that was the agreement. Um, but I would have, you know, probably made more money to, stay at home and, and play the yeah. last couple of Shield games. Um, and then going into this West Indies game, um, one of our better players, Sanjay Thurasingham, he was, he was a very good fast bowler, um, played first-class cricket in Sri Lanka. I think you played against him at the Commonwealth Games, Sanjay. You would have opened the bowling. Rani, I think you got Mark Law out. Testing okay. your memory there. Yeah, testing um, the memory. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you remember nicking off a few Canadian boys, and, but probably not. I don't remember the watching. five for fifteen off ten. No, they, they, <laughs> they, the top order appeared. They'd never seen an in swinger before at that stage. <laughs> did they? Um, did they count your first class or your ODI nah, stats? No. Nah, yeah. Nah, good call. No. Nah, that. They would have got the average down, but they were good fellas. Big Connington. I remember uh, having a beer with yeah, him. George. George yeah. George. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, what what happened anyway, to the oh, yeah. Sri Lankan quick? Yeah. Yeah. So he had a he had a bit of a sore back and whatnot. Our um, our team doctor, who wasn't a doctor, he was a um, massage therapist. He <laughs> he ruled him out. Apparently ruled him out. Didn't give him a fitness test or anything like that. And I'm like, what are we doing? Why aren't we playing our best team? And Gus um, basically gave it to me and said, Oh, you don't back. All these, all these other guys, and mate, some of the other guys can barely catch. And I was like, Gus, surely, <laughs> surely you know that this guy's a better player than these other guys you're, you're talking about. And anyway, I had a bit of a toe to toe because I was like, we've got to play our best team. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, fuck this. I mean, I don't really want to play if we're not going to try and you know put our best foot forward every game. Blah blah. So I was like, walked away from warm ups, went back into the room, and said to them. Said to the manager, "Fucking get me out of here! I want to go back and play shield cricket." Wow! Um, and uh, the captain, um, Joe Harris, he was a beauty. You would have played against him too, Blamo. You would have captained the team in Commonwealth Games. Um, he came in. I got on really well with Joe. He was, he was an alcoholic, so you know we spent a bit of time. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> if, he's, if he's listening, that's not fair. Um, he's probably <laughs> not an alcoholic. He enjoys a drink. Um, yeah, 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 but he doesn't yeah. go to the meetings. As long as you don't go to the meetings, you're, you're fine. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't recognise him. Doesn't recognise it. Um, so we, yeah, he came in, come on, mate. He cooled down, blah, 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 and he won the toss and we're batting. So I padded up and went and sat out in the front of the rooms on my own um, and then just went out and batted. And it was probably one of those days where you know, it was a beautiful day. The wicket was um, one hit in the middle of the bat early, like a defensive shot early. And I thought, wow, this wicket's beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of gained gained a bit of momentum from there and chanced my arm and hit a few out of the middle. It was great. A few amazing shots over extra cover, Johnny, uh, early on in your innings. And then I think it was Mervyn Dillon who... Yep. Wasn't the quickest West Indian fast bowler you come across. He was probably 140, but stupid enough to keep banging it in short. 
and you were good enough to keep hooking him into the stands. Um, it was good fun to watch. It must have been an amazing feeling, uh, especially yeah, was... racing towards 100 on that. When did you start thinking about it? Did you get nervous? Did you look up at the scoreboard <laughs> and think, this is not real? Or I'm just two I, shots yeah, away? There was a... or... There was a bit of a, there was a bit of this isn't real. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I really looked at the scoreboard, but um, yeah, Merv Dillon was banging him in a probably a bowl a little bit short, um, thinking that he could intimidate us Canadians. Um, and you know that it, we we played at um, in Pretoria, at Centurion, and it's at altitude, so you just got the ball yeah. in the air, a few top top edges, and it just sailed, and mm. um, and then. Vasper Drake, Merv Dillon got um, taken off and Vasper Drakes came in and sort of <laughs> went shorter and faster and um, topped Longer. a couple of him. And yeah, <laughs> so it was, and I think Michael Holding, Michael Holding was um, commentating and uh, I think he said, oh, the West Indians have left their brains on the bus or something like that. <laughs> um, and it was, it was actually... And D, on the to, field, what are they thinking? This Canadian yeah, guy no, is are they are they going at each other? Are they are they laughing or what's going on? Well, I don't think they obviously wouldn't have done too much homework on us or just thinking that they'd you know knock us over pretty easily. Um, and at one stage, at one stage, they I think probably in about the fifteenth or sixteenth over, they were allowed to have. What were the rules then? Were they three out or four out? Must have been four out. Four, four, five. No, out. I thought it was Amazing. two, three. I thought it was two, then three, then four. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I think they had at a stage where they were allowed to have three out. They only had two out, um, <laughs> and and they were going at and they were going at ten. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting to see them under pressure, I suppose, and trying to think on their feet. Um, yeah, just seeing them a little, little bit rattled was good. Um, but in terms of, in terms of um, thinking, oh wow, that's not real. When I got the hundred, Daryl Hare was umpiring, and it came Cubic. up on the. <laughs> it, it came up on the big screen that it was the fastest hundred in World Cup history, and that's when I went, holy shit, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and um, and Daryl looked, Daryl Hare looked at me, and because I'm sure I'd batted eleven in shield cricket that in games that he'd umpired before. Um, and he looked at me and goes, wow, that's pretty cool. Well played, John Davison. Very well played. What a shot down the pitch and he's hit it right in the middle. Now, Johnny, was there any close, was there any close decisions? Because Pubic being a New South Welshman would have known that you're a New South Welshman. When Ivor went to the SCG, there was always a couple of dodgy decisions come our way, especially the Dino when he was looking good. Did did the pubic look after you on that given day or not? Um, I got hit on the toe early by Pedro Collins that swung one back, um, which must have been pretty close. It hit me tight right on the top of the foot. Um, and that would have been at Daryl's end. Um, oh, no, I, yeah, it must have been Daryl's end, yeah. And then... Um, I hit one into my foot that rolled back and hit the stumps and the bales oh. didn't move. Um, but that wasn't a decision. That was just a bit of luck. And then I chipped one or hit one off my toes that Shiv Shanapal possibly had the opportunity to take a good catch and, and grasped it. And D, one of the most unbelievable ones was the actual catch uh, to dismiss you. Like Tony Cozy is going, Vasper Drakes as... as um, Miss Spies yeah, hasn't up, read yeah. that. He hasn't read that at all. And then he, he takes one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah, Basman Drakes took an unbelievable catch. Um, as you said, Tony Cozier um, thought he'd really stuffed it up, but um, probably misjudged it, coming a bit too far. And then obviously very athletic and, and recovered beautifully. Caught it horizontally, going backwards with a little bit of a roll roll after it, and. Um, um, yeah, and the disappointing thing was, you know, I think it was the 21st over um, on, a, on 111 and got through got through their, their their majority of their attack and Wavell Hines came on to bowl his part-timers and I just didn't have the discipline to just knock it to the guys on the boundary and pick up some easy ones, but, you know, so, so be it. You would have got no, 300. It's, it's, 
You threw away three hundred, Johnny. But it's something for for those people who have never got to to centuries, Flemo. You've got to understand <laughs> that when when someone like Wavell Hines comes on with that medium pace junk, all you're thinking then is you shifted from now. I haven't just got the fir- the fastest hundred. I can go with Yuvraj Singh here and get the maximum sixes. I can go, I can go six sixes in and over. It rarely comes off. You don't get an opportunity to get in that zone every often. That was, uh, was a disappointing end with Wavell Hines. But he snagged a few cheeky wickets in his time with old Wavell. Yeah. I must admit, in a, world, in a World Cup 2007, I got to commentate on radio when, when Herschel Gibbs hit six sixes. Against the Dutch, wasn't it? At St. Kitts. It was. Was it? It was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. was. about three days after Barry, Barry, Barry. century against Holland. Hey, come yeah, on. This day. This day. Hey, um, Dan, did, was it Dan Van Bunge, I think? Yeah, he didn't really go on, surprisingly enough. Uh, well, not in the cricketing <laughs> world. But, hey, and D, um, yeah, the Windies get him, the runs pretty quickly. But um, you, you play New Zealand, I think, the next game. And then you, you start to be a bogeyman for them, Um yeah. Not just this World Cup, but, but other ones. So you, you, you just got on a, another roll again. And how did yeah, the Kiwis I mean, handle well, it? Well, let, let's go back to the West Indies chase. Um, Brian Lara got 70-odd off 30 balls. So I thought I was going to have the fastest World Cup <laughs> for about two hours. <laughs> um, and then he got he got bowled by Nicholas the Group, who is yeah. about four foot He's about four foot ten, just one fifteen straight straight ones, and somehow Brian missed one. Um, Are you he saying he was vulnerable yeah. to that? He we've we've what? seen it in the past when Zoe Goss ripped his middle poles out. <laughs> this is this is just planning from Canada. Well, why you know we get, when? Uh, well, oh, do you, why didn't we get Justin Langer to bowl to him more then? Correct. <laughs> he would have averaged five if Justin Sounds Langer like had bowled. Bowling. I would have yeah, thought Buchanan yeah. would have been switched on to this planning, but he obviously wasn't. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, relief so was... when Brian gets out. Oh, yeah. That was, um, yeah, I gave Nicky a, a low five. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, New Zealand. So we played them at Benoni. Um, probably the, that's probably the best I've ever hit the ball, that, that game against, against New Zealand. Um, Jacob Orham, what are you doing? Swinging? No, yeah, no swing. <laughs> I'm trying to reenact your innings and see if I can, but no, I'm losing it. No. Um, yeah, the had had a uh, open the batting again, got away, got away to a quick start. I got 50 off 25 balls, <laughs> got the seven, got the 76, I think got the 70, 70 odd, and then, um, I think we lost a couple of wickets and we had five overs where I scored a single off the first ball of every over and we only scored five runs for five overs. Um, and then same thing, same thing, you know, I think it was Chris Harris bowling and I tried to lift the up, you know, keep the run rate going and hold out down that long on again. Um, but, yeah, I hit the ball beautifully that day. That's... Uh... Gone all the way, that's six, a maximum for John Davison. The fourth over finishes on a high note for him, 21 now for no wicket. There he goes on the leg side, what a shot this is. It's gone behind the roof. Take a while for the ball to come back, but this guy is a sensation. Um, And then had a couple of other good innings against New Zealand and a couple of other World Cups, which was, um, yeah, I, I... I think they thought I could play. <laughs> and so, so overall, I mean, um, so the team get a win. Uh, they have a player that scores 100. Um, you know, personally for you, it must have given you a lot of confidence because you took the most wickets as well. You're obviously bowling really well. So so for after that, you know, what did that mean for um, Canadian cricket, you know, post-World Cup? Did they, they jump? Did they actually, uh, you know, use it or... Leverage it as uh, much as possible, or, or or did it just go back to normal? So we played. So we had good good funding from the ICC for we played two thousand three, two thousand seven, two thousand eleven. So that would have been you know good funding for the for the 
Canadian cricket programs over that time. Um, unfortunately, now they've slipped way down. Um, they've still got a couple of decent players that play for them, but um, yeah, the professionalism and the, the funding's not there. So I spoke to I spoke to a few of them not long ago and said, you know, you guys have got to make your own legacy now and start where we did. You know, we when we first started, we didn't have the same amount of funding as you know we did when we qualified for the World Cup. So it's it's up to them. They've got a huge amount of people who play cricket there. The the club scene in particularly in Toronto is you know pretty strong. Um, some of the most passionate cricket I've played is that that club cricket in Toronto where yeah um, it's it's almost tribal. Well, it is tribal. Like you've got teams that are you know Sri Lankan teams and Pakistani teams and um, you know certain religious teams and so it's um yeah they play with, they play with plenty of passion we'll put it that way hodge did you get over there did you put, get a t20 comp over there in canada no unfortunately i didn't make the canadian Damn. premier league I, I i did try um but i mean sometimes you just pass your best aren't you so if you if you thought about throwing a lifeline out to him johnny and saying you know look i'm happy to come out of retirement you know, I can, oh, mate. I can, I, you know, a bit like, uh, well, we did, we went to um, India not, not long ago representing Australia. And uh, I'll tell you who came out and absolutely Polak's Ben Lachlan all over the place was Kulawitharana. Remember? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So him, him and, him and uh, Sanath were the main ones that got the Sri Lankans off to fly in their World Cup. Was that I a cop? There's... Did you cop? You sounded like a dog. Was that? That was me dog, <laughs> bloody thing. Come here, woman. <laughs> I think yeah. it's... Um... So I don't know whether there's something where you can maybe write a letter again or an email <laughs> to, the, uh, to the Canadian board and say, listen, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I've been training the nets at Allen Border Field. Do you think I can get you a quick fire 30 or 15 if you're looking for it? And bowl you. So you're, talking, you're talking, talking the over 50 circuit? No, I'm talking the, the main game. You only need four oh. or five weeks of training. That's I, all you need. I tried to I tried to bowl today. The wicket is getting longer and longer. <laughs> well, we've both brought up the fifty this year, haven't we, Dee? So um, yeah. Hodgie's still got a few years to go. Hodgie, I don't know if you know this fact about Johnny Davidson, and uh, you're a fine off spinner, under bold off spinner yourself, Bradley Hodge. And I know you modelled your action on Jimmy Laker, who blitzed the Aussies in 1956, took 46 wickets, I think, in five test matches, including yep. 19 wickets for 90 at the Oval. Who do you think's got the second best first-class figures of all time? As an off-spinner? Mm. Uh, no, just class? Yeah. Oh, um, didn't uh, – oh, there has to be some dude with – 17 wickets in a, in a match. Or are you talking one-day cricket? Mate, you're right. And you know that dude, we're talking to him now. He took 17 for 137 in a first-class game against America. Dee, really? Was there a, cha- was there a chance the US, to get all yeah. 20 or not? Um, well, Who definitely because I was captain. I was captain, so... <laughs> um, he bowled 412 <laughs> overs. Mate, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not lying to you. Um, so we had an opening bowler who, oh, I think his name was Eason Sinatabi, Eason, yeah, something like that. And he, I hadn't seen him bowl before. He was from Manitoba. And they said, all right, he's been picked open the bowling. Um, and the wicket, the wicket looked nothing like the one behind Flem. It was like um, mm. the clay courts of Roland Garros. Um, <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, I thought it was in, the game was in Florida. Um, in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, yep. um, and it was—I well, think it was one of the first games there. It was a newly made ground, um, and I gave him one over, and he went for eight. He just dragged a couple of down to um, uh, the the US opening batter who pulled him through mid-wicket in front of square twice. And I thought, oh, left-hand opening batter on this wicket, I'm I'm going to have a crack at this guy. So that was the only <laughs> that was it. That was the only over he bowled for the match, and I bowled, <laughs> I bowled every over at, the, at his at that end for the rest of the game. So I gave myself every chance to get twenty. 
and it didn't quite pay off. But, Do you reckon he looks back and says what a great captain John Davison was and has a great memory of that game, the young man? <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure he was playing for the team and enjoyed the victory. Well, uh, no um, doubt the Canadians would have taken the win over the USA, surely. Oh, 100%. That's the... Oh, it's um, huge. Yeah, it's the oldest rivalry in, in cricket, if you're not aware. The first international game of cricket was played between um, Australia, uh, not Australia, uh, Canada and the US. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Dee, I reckon it's time to have a look at your domestic career. You know, you started New South Wales. I think we played underage cricket against each other, didn't we? Me for Victoria, yeah. you New South Wales. Um, yeah. What about the move to Victoria? How long in the making? Um, was there any um, deals put out there or did you just back yourself to come down and play grade cricket and get yourself into the state team? So the, the story there was I, I went to the uh, cricket academy when I was probably 22 um, and Hodgie and yep. Hodgie was in my intake as was Simon Cook, the two Victorians, um, enjoyed both their company. Similar personalities? Um, uh, did you find well, they had well, similar Johnny personalities? Was, and Johnny was just uh, opposite the hallway to us with Diva. So we were actually yeah. very close. Yeah, you're in with Murray Goodwin. and um, what, was, yeah, what, was, a, what was Hodgie providing back then? Um, plenty of laughs, a bit of immaturity. Um, <laughs> um, a lot of immaturity, uh, actually. Uh, <laughs> some very good <laughs> athleticism. What an athlete. Um, uh, we had a great intake. We had good fun. We had good yeah. fun. I think um, Rod was, Marsh took great pleasure in punishing me for the most of the six months, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't think Rod, I'd go, he didn't give me much time. And he, he, I remember getting called into his office once and um, I think I got blamed for loading a lot of the guns that you fired, Hodgie. So <laughs> You see, I think you're a bit of a bullet loader, Davison. I thought I'd take offence for that. It was, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. we're go, we're, uh, we've got yeah. to get back to that coaching, haven't we? Last names only. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You probably didn't even know my first name, but anyway, um, it was good fun. It was good fun. But anyway, um, going back to your original question, I I couldn't see myself getting a game for New South Wales because Greg Matthews was just winning games for New South Wales. Um, all the time, so I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to play, and you know, that, after having that experience with that intake of fantastic cricketers, um, and quite, you know, probably half of them were already playing first class cricket. Um, I, I wanted to, I had the desire to play. Um, the last game we played for the academy team, we played against Victoria Sec Eleven. I played pretty well. I spoke to. And, and, you know, I spoke to Hodgie about it too, and Hodgie said we don't have a lot of spinners in Victoria, um, other than Warney, obviously. Um, and so I spoke to Dav Watmore, who was coaching the, the um, second level team there. I said, what sort of opportunities are there? And it just sort of went from there. I think I went to Pran Cricket Club where Dav, Dav was um, involved with there. They, um, I think they, in terms of the deals that you're talking about, Flam, I think they bought me a mattress, queen size, with some sheets, <laughs> um, which I was pretty happy with. I had something, something to sleep on. And, yeah, it just, yeah, went through club cricket. You know, there was no promises. Um, and, you know, I loved my time in Melbourne and, um, you know, a couple of years playing club cricket sort of forced my way into the into the squad, which was um, a real blessing and a, a, an opportunity which I really, really enjoyed. And I think back then as well, Johnny, I think there was a real, yeah, that, that was a real sort of state of origin culture, you know, where it was Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and, and WA and Tassie. I think there was a lot of respect actually for players at that stage who actually did make the effort to travel in their ambitions to play state cricket because it didn't happen very often at all. So I, I know from the state's point of view, Victoria, we, we were automatically... Um, you know, respectful and understanding of what everyone wanted to achieve. And I think it was almost seamless that, you know, a blue bag was accepted into, you know, Victorian dressing room with no problem. It was something which hadn't often been done. And I think you and also then Matthew Mott followed suit, the Sean Flegler as well. 
So a couple of really good close friends um, had a huge impact in Victoria for a long period of time. I, it was really a positive influence for our group to have an injection of other youthful people to come in as well. Yeah, and I think you know we've, the, the three names you mentioned. You know, we we all ended up living together, and you know we were very <laughs> very like minded sort of people, I suppose. You know, we were um, chasing that chasing that um, game of you know chasing the opportunity to play first class cricket. Um, you know, I found first class cricket really hard. Um, I think it's you know bowling bowling off spin in in Australia. I don't know if I just got really unlucky with tosses or what wickets we played on, but I, don't, I can't remember spinning too many balls or getting a ball to off the straight too many times. And um, you know, it was it was a hard grind, but um, I loved it. It was good fun. Well, one other thing, Johnny, as well, is that in Victoria, when they had first brought the drop-ins in, when you came down, everyone bowled first. So as a home team, and the tradition was that you'd always bat first, but Victoria almost yeah. changed that mantra where we'd win the toss and straight away bowl. And opposition sides hadn't worked that out. They'd come down and still bat. And so yep. for a spinner, uh, I remember we had many conversations later on in, down the track how frustrating it was as a spinner not to get recognition for the output that you're actually giving. I mean, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. The ball doesn't turn off the bloody square on a on a on a... MCG dropping. Drop it does nothing. Yeah. There's no footmarks. Yeah. There's no dustpan. There's absolutely jack shit for a spinner to operate. Um, I, yeah, I think one of our one of our big KPIs under you know Mick Mick O'Sullivan, who was doing our stats and whatnot, was you know percentage of maidens bold. And I took I took that as my, on as a bit of a mantle because you know we had such a good fast bowling attack. You know my role was pretty much in that Paul Jackson mould for. Um, for Queensland, it was just the like bowl tight overs, get through to the new ball and get your quicks back on um, after they've had after they'd had a little bit of a rest. So I think I did all right in terms of you know tying up an end and things like that, but that doesn't doesn't reflect very well when you look at look at your stats and things like that. And um, yeah, I remember it being a frustration of yours. I remember talking to you about it. It always come up around contract time. Because yeah. the people in charge at that time would only look at statistics. And, and you, I often found it frustrating as well that, well, you can't actually put a quota on the workload that you did to assist the other bowlers to get their rewards. Yeah, um, that's right. And then you'd look and you go, well, I'm only averaging 35 or 36 for this year. And they go, well, all the good spinners average less than 30 or around 30. And you go, well, it's nearly impossible. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember talking boys, about that. It was a frustration. I, I, I reckon it's still a weakness in cricket stats, isn't it? That it, that it still oh, doesn't 100%. measure, um, you know, you know, pressure from one end, um, pressure from both ends. Um, you know, I think until until they can work out equations, um, and there's some very smart people out there in other sports that that, that do measure that. That it actually gets valued and how much you contribute to, to the, the pressure built and, and, and to winning teams. And, and you oh, would have benefited from that. You know, uh, bowlers similar to myself, bowl, bowling a lot of overs into the breeze, you know, compared yep. to, to down yep. breeze. But, um, <laughs> you know, even batsmen, I suppose, that, that, that um, might not average a lot but build a lot of partnerships, you know. You know yeah. There's still not really stats for that either. Yeah, I agree. Like that, the way we measure cricketers, if we're just looking at averages, it's just it's almost it's not irrelevant because the, the best players' averages are generally the best. But um, like, if you take if you get session ten Booker out, that's got to be worth more to your bowling average than getting Glenn McGrath out. Eight times. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why eight times. <laughs> what you got Glenn McGrath out eight times? Nah, I never never bothered with him. Um, um, but yeah, you know what I, I mean. Like so, you know, yeah. Um, you know that that world record partnership between Jay Wardner and Sangakara, six hundred and something. You know, boring drawn Test match. That shouldn't be. You know, that shouldn't be. You know, and then on the other hand, you've got um, Phil Hughes batting through an innings, scoring a hundred or close to a hundred in at Bell Reve Oval and carrying his bat. 
that's got to be worth more than 90 runs or 100 it runs. It should be double. Sport. It's like 100 against Netherlands. You just have that divided by 10. <laughs> so well done on your 20, Hodge. Um, I'm going to get available to, 20. We were three for 80. I'm going to get back to um, spin in Australia in a sec. I just want to finish your career. So South Australia, Victoria, um, what about the batsmen who you just rated? who were just a nightmare to bowl to? Have you got a couple of names that come up straight away? Um, I reckon Buff was, like, I, I loved bowling to left-handers and I thought I bowled pretty well to left-handers until it came to Buff. He was just <laughs> another, he was another level. Like, he, the same ball, he would could cut you or drive you over the top of cover. And I was, I just it didn't have an answer. You know, one, my, my answer was, you know, um, one day game, I came, I think I did it in Shield Cricket Team too, when I bowled to him, I just like, I can't bowl around the wicket to him, but he just, it just gives him some angle to hit me through the offside. So I bowled over the wicket, trying to hit his pads. That was, that was my... Just bowling my, arm balls. Um, yeah, pretty much. And then in, so we played in a mercantile game, the domestic one days, and he was standing, he was standing like a foot outside leg stump, just offering me the stumps to bowl to. Oh. And I just, I was just like, no, I'm not full of that. And I just kept bowling in his pads and he'd step, he'd just step the middle stuff and to go down leg and I caught wide. And I'm like, how do I bowl this guy? I'm saying to the umpire, how do I bowl to him? I can't, <laughs> I can't just, I can't just put it where he wants it. I've got to be able to, I've just got to be able to, I've got to be able to squeeze oh. him somehow. And it was a nightmare. Anyway, as I said, not, it was, it was really hard. <laughs> and not the only spin. I remember that, that game, Johnny, pretty clearly. <laughs> it was, it was well and truly... No, nah, not at all. It was well and truly before the umpires knew about you know, batsmen changing guard and things like yeah. that as well. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't know what to do either. So it was just a complete farce for about five or six yeah. minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Dave, let's uh, get into and, and, and let's get into the, the, the coaching side. There, there was a time when you used to chat, I thought you're going to be the original master chef. I think you're going to be a restaurant extraordinaire. Um, but you went down the, the coaching path, the, the spin whisperer. Uh, you've been um, well used around the world in the last few years. But um, can you talk um, firstly about, um, yeah, the main guy that you've worked with, the, the GOAT, Nathan Lyon? You know, how did that, that linkage uh, happened um, was Nathan proactive um, and talk about you talk about spinners struggling in Australia and they have but um, between you two guys you've found a way uh, to be effective in Australian conditions. Yeah, um, thanks, Flem. The I suppose the when I when I yeah I di- I didn't think I would be a coach. I as you said like I I um I liked my uh, food and um and whatnot and. Towards the end of the, my career in South Australia, I went to the um, PD, personal development uh, manager, and, and said, you know, I wouldn't mind being a chef. And she goes, oh, we can organise that, you know, take you down to the TAFE and you can talk to a few people down there, blah, blah, blah. So I go down to the TAFE thinking, oh, okay, they've, you know, they've got something sorted out for me. And I go in and this guy goes, all right, mate, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, yeah, I want to, like, learn to be a chef, but um, I've got to play cricket on Saturdays and he goes oh no, that's not going to work that's the main day in hospitality and that was that was the end of it and so, <laughs> so, so that was the end of my cooking dream um and then uh finished finished with South Australia and moved back to Sydney and um one of my mates was involved at Mossman Cricket Club and Warwick Adlam and um he got me back there and I did some coaching there with Marty Haywood who Played for New South Wales. The Moose. Great bloke. Yeah, the Two Moose. Two very good men. Adlam and yeah. Moose. Yeah, great fellas. Um, so we were, Moose and I were doing some coaching at, at Mossman and then um, a couple of years later, Brian uh, McFadgen might have been, was he in charge of the academy at that for a little period, Clemmo? I reckon he was. He was in charge yeah. at some stage, he, yeah. He threw him, yeah. Um, he sort of, um, said, do you want to come up and do the, um, what's it called, scholarship coach role? Um, so we went up um, in two, well, it's 12 years ago. What's that? 2008. Um, and 
sort of fell into coaching, you know, um, uh, Terry Jenner was still running the spin program. Ashley Mallet was still around. Um, and so I'd stand next to those two watching them coach and marvel at what they were seeing. And um, I don't know if a lot of it was just talk or they were unbelievable coaches. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, learned a lot on how I, how I would go about things just by watching those guys coach. Um, and then the scholarship year ended and it was, it was a great year we had. So my, my other job was to look after the boys at the um, Goldsboro apartments. So <laughs> we had David Warner and Johnny Holland and Matty Wade and Steve O'Keefe. And it was a really good intake, you know, some few troublemakers, but it was like good fun. <laughs> and I was the, and I was the, and I was the house parent. I was in charge of them. Um, and, you know, it's probably not a good idea to have a bullet loader as the house parent. But um, 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 we had some good laughs and, uh, yeah, it was good fun. And then after that year, they, they said, well, we don't really have a spin program as such. Would you be interested in running that? And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, so dive into that. Um, and then I spoke. we did a... Did used to do around go around the states and um, look at all the lo- local spinners and um, you know I suppose try and help identify you know guys who we saw with some talent and whatnot and I suppose that's our trip to Canberra came across a young Nate Lyon who was probably eighteen and he was just a skinny kid who you know wasn't overly impressive in terms of um, what he was bowling um, sort of bowling with closed action around himself and um, you know, he obviously got some revs on the ball, but it didn't translate into um, shape or um, spin off the wicket or turn off, mm. turn and bounce off the wicket. Um, Mark Higgs was working with him. Not sure if it was that year or in the, in the years coming. So that was the first time we came, we met him. Um, and then we sort of got together, Higgsy, and spoke about you know what he could do. We straightened him up. Um, you know, Higgsy should take a lot of credit for for that. And then I suppose just the the relationship continued off from there. Um, and then I think Nate's biggest challenge then was breaking into first class cricket, which Chuck gave him, Darren Berry gave him a great opportunity in South Australia. Um, and he did well for, for them in 2020 cricket. And then um, he went from there. And his biggest challenge was... Um, believing in himself and I think that's any sportsman's challenge um, particularly in cricket you know having belief in um, and feel, feeling um, wanted and belo- having the sense of belonging in a change room and that period that Australia cricket went through looking for the next Shane Warne and uh, just, just in between is it is it doubly hard and you would have experienced that you know that the fast bowlers have their own group um, yeah. You know, batsmen are together. The opening batsmen are together. You know, possibly the spinner and the wicketkeeper miss out. Yeah, I think so. And like, it's 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 something that it's definitely something that I've spoken to Johnny Holland about. It like, you come into first class cricket as a as a spinner, and you know the stars have aligned, and you've got runs on the board, and the wickets deteriorated. It hasn't rained, and they throw you the ball as a as a you know relatively um, young young cricketer and they go, all right, we'll win us the game now. That's your that's your job on day four, day five to, to win the so it's 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 huge pressure. And you it's probably the first time that you've ever seen a wicket like that as well. So it's 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 a different way of bowling rather than bowling, you know, on a day one wicket in club cricket every every week. Um, and that's gonna be a real issue with no second eleven cricket in the coming years. I like I d I don't understand how people are going to understand the how to how to play a reverse swinging ball and how to bat on and bowl on you know deteriorating wickets. Um, it's it's going to be a real hole in the in the learning process. I don't think it matters, Johnny, because we've got we've had such a good record in Asia over the last two decades. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, we've got such a good winning record over there. I think they've got it covered. So you, know. so you reckon it's ingrained? Yeah. Is it now, Hodgie? Yeah, yeah, I think they've, uh, I think they've, they've well and truly ticked that box off. So our futures, we're going to have a great Asian uh, next two decades because, yeah, we'll play on non-turning wickets, on dropping wickets, and I'm sure our batsmen will cope pretty well. 
yeah. and and D, what what about with uh, Nathan Lyon now? Like we know he's the greatest, and he's found a way. You know, he used to get under a lot of pressure, not getting wickets in the second innings. That's fine. He gets wickets here and away. Um, now, when you catch up, is it more just just topping up and making sure that that he's at the best of his game and and, and not um, you know sliding a little bit? Yeah, I think like it's it's really easy with Nate now. Like we've worked with each other for so long that um, it, it's only like a five. We have a bowl and it's like five minutes, and it, we can if things aren't happening that well. Which generally now he knows his game so well, he, he you know it, it probably doesn't doesn't need someone there all the time. It's just a quick catch up, um, you know, a couple of little tweaks here and there, and he's away again. Um, the thing that I push push for him the most now is like how he how do you develop you, how are you still developing your game what can you add to your game because his his stock ball is one of the best stock balls we've seen from a finger spinner probably ever um, but he's so in love with bowling it that um, he, he he's very reluctant to to bowl anything else um, I think he bowled he bowled that back spinning what do you call it Jeff. Yeah. Get Jack's Rudolph out. How long ago was that? That was so long ago. And yeah, I don't think he's bowled it since. You know, it's um, it's trying to encourage him to bowl a ball, at, particularly to a left-hander that hits the stumps, um, which makes your stock ball even more effective. And D, what about um, you know? I think he's Australia's most important player because he's irreplaceable at the moment. Like Pat Cummins, yeah. number one, quick, but uh, we'll bring in James Pattinson. You know. Uh, Smith to a degree, um, but with Lyon, there's, there's no um, automatic second in charge, is there? No, that's right. Um, you know, yeah, I, you tell me who's the next best. I think Mitchell Swepson's, um, so he's he's really developing, but, you know, well, I don't think anyone's ready, are they, as a, as a spinner? Like, you, I don't think you're ready until you go, you've, you know, Warney wasn't ready. Hardly any of them have been ready um, in terms of going yeah. in and expecting expecting them to perform from ball one. So you've got to pick the right person and then give them time to develop at that level, uh, I believe. Um, and and I suppose was, with the was, pace attack, you, you do have some luxury. I reckon, um, you know, they're very potent. So, you know, the spinner, while they're still in their peak, uh, the top four, they, you probably don't need to do that. But, hey, um, hey boys, that, that's it. We're out of time. It's a, bit like a Johnny D, it's a bit like a Johnny D World Cup innings. It had a lot of shots, uh, but it was all over too quickly. <laughs> hey, Johnny D, thanks for joining us. Um, good luck with the, the Spin Whisperer brand. And we look thanks, forward buddy. to you um, bringing through the next generation of, of Spin Bowler in Australia. Yeah, thanks, Johnny. It's been good fun. Balls, six sixes, seven fours, and has become equal the fourth fastest century in one day international cricket. What an effort. By G, what will he do now? How can he back that up? Make him Prime Minister. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.